And I feel that in the Philippines, we've somehow lost a lot of that connection. Our stories, our myths connect us back to that past, connect us back to the greatness that was. I'm the bad cop, good cop kind of conversation. Welcome to the simulcast episode of the Gleeful Talk Show and the Nerdy Fangirl Podcast. This episode crosses over topics that would fit the two podcasts, so I thought that might as well do a simulcast, right? But I do have something to share before we dive in. I'm so happy to announce that this episode is recorded via Riverside.fm. Powered by Riverside FM. It's by far the best remote podcast recording platform ever. I've had my fair share of system glitches and bad recordings in the past, but Riverside doesn't disappoint and it always delivers. The great news is that they have a new feature coming in called Media Board, which I'm using now and works as a virtual sound and video board allowing creators to insert pre-recorded content straight into the live recording session. Ideal for podcast intros, outros, jingles, theme music, and ad reads. Riverside keeps coming up with all these awesome features, so don't miss out. I do have a coupon code that you can use if you want to sign up. You'll get 25% discount on the first three months of subscription. Just click on the affiliate link below so that you'll know you've heard it first from me. I do earn a little bit of small commission when you use it. So the reason why I'm sharing it is because I truly, truly love this platform and wanted to share it with you guys. So please don't forget to click on the link on the episode notes and use the coupon code MEDIABOARD25 upon checkout. And so today we are going to talk about a Filipino animation series adapted from a comic book series entitled Trese, which is now available on Netflix. So I haven't read the comics yet, but I'm glad to be talking today with my guest slash co-host who has read the comics and watched the anime as well. He is currently based in New Zealand, but which is also from my hometown, Cebu. Please welcome Ray Don Lim. Hi, Ray. Welcome to the show. Hi, Glee. Glad to be here. Great. Thank you for being on the show. And yes, so Trese, before anything else, we'll try not to be talking a lot of spoilers so that our zesties will still, yep. <laughs> will still like course. to watch it. But can you talk about, what, in a nutshell, on a nutshell, what Trese is about? So Trese is actually a mid-2000s comics that was created by Sir Budge and Baldissimo. It's basically action detective story that revolves around Philippine mythology. The main character is Alexandra Trese. She is the, I believe the term is Babalan Lakambini. Basically, she keeps a balance between the human world and the world of the, the spirit world, basically, in the Philippines. So the anime is a little bit more action-oriented than the comics, just to let the guys out there know. But it's beautiful. It's something that we could call our own. And it's something that I, on a personal note, wish could be a little could be more mainstream internationally. Mm, great. So you've mentioned about Babaylan Lakambini, and I know you are also fascinated about Filipino mythology. So yep. 
for for the benefit of our zesties, uh, yep. so what is babaylan, lakambini, or I mean, these words might be separate on their own, I think. Mm. So, yep, so lakambini, I'm not entirely sure, but babaylan, that's basically priestess or, yeah, priestess in our olden times. And I might be wrong, but to the best of my knowledge, babaylans can only be women. And, you know, they are our connection to the gods. So, Yes, while our pre-colonial times in the Philippines, uh, men did rule as datus, but our women also had very prominent roles. They were basically our connection to the gods. So Trese here is kind of like that connection, I would say, to to the spirit, to the gods, especially if you um, read some of the comics or spin-off comics on Trese. And definitely also our protector. So Lakambini, like I said, I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to Google that. But to the best of my knowledge as well, it might be about warriors or whatnot. So Trese is like a detective, but has in the modern times, but mm. also in touch with the spirit world. Yep. As we mentioned, mythological creatures that was that was shown there. So mm. if you could share also to us, what were the your favorite mythical creature and why you are fascinated with them? Yeah, so I would say like, well, outside of the anime and the comics, my favorite mythological creature is, would be the Encantos. I was tempted to think about Aswangs, to be honest, because that is definitely what we have on the mainstream. But with, with Encantos, they're basically our Filipino elves. They are beautiful, noted as, in fact, gorgeous. And they're very good with illusion and deceptive magic, you know, making you believe you're some somewhere else. And there are, and here's a caveat in that, there are persistent stories about them, even to the modern age, especially if you go into the more rural parts of the Philippines. So that's why I could say I have some sort of favoritism over them and some sort of curiosity over them. You know, if you oh, work okay. in the Philippines. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But because in Trece... I- I'm not sure where which one is Encantos. Is that the the women, the white women with that with Maliksi? Was it uh, or you not could, really? Depends they were on who not you really ask. You could introduced, say that. right? Uh, they, they so Ami and Hana, there, right? Oh uh, yeah. So the they were wind spirits, and ah, I, okay. Yeah. So depending on who you ask, they, they some might be more Puritan and say that they're Anitos, which is really our our sort of our sort of equivalent to something ethereal or or spiritual you know yeah ah, okay okay interesting so outside trese you were already fascinated with filipino mythology yep. back when you were like how old let's just say um probably in my early teens like i won't deny the fact that my that i've read more about greek gods and maybe a bit more of other foreign foreign inspired I would say mythology, but with regard to Filipino mythology, apart from the fact that we discuss it back in our schools when we were younger, I was just fascinated when I went to the library and read a bit about them, read about our creation myths, both firstly the Tagalog creation myth, which is more famous, was about Batala and a giant snake that he had to kill. And then I, of course, being the proud Cebuano that I am, I tried to see if we as Cebuanos or Visayans had our own creation myth. And lo, lo and behold, we actually do. And one character in that myth actually appears in a Trese comic spinoff. Now, I won't spoil oh. much of it. We can discuss that a bit of that later. But yeah, so that's, I, I just really love reading about stories like this, fiction and whatnot. And 
the connection that it provides to a pre-Spanish uh, past. So for the listeners out there, we in the Philippines do learn a lot about our history when Spain took over our country. But prior to that, not many is known. And whenever we have that opportunity or I have that opportunity to learn more about it through these stories, it's fantastic. And I really love it. It's good that you mentioned because, you know, for me, I really haven't. <laughs> tried to read most of them in the library so were they were they even there in the libraries like i haven't noticed i only would like read like nancy drew or something so it's quite embarrassing but <laughs> there is nothing embarrassing about reading and expanding your knowledge and enjoying life through books thing with me is i gravitated towards those and it reflects on the kind of anime or shows that i watch which is why i'm very in, i'm very interested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe about Thor and, you know, trying to see the gods and whatnot. And in our own Filipino setting, I love that Tressy anime. I love the Tressy comics. And I love other books done by our authors when I have the chance to read them, of course. We can definitely discuss further about these authors or their books, rather. But just to name drop a few books like by David Honteveros, they, the thing with David's books is that he tries to steer away from the mainstream. And then you and once you do your own private research, you realize well, some of these creatures are actually present in Butuan or Bicol, those outside of Metro Manila. And it's amazing that way. So th these mm. are just some of the samples. Great. So can we go back to about the Visayan creation? Because mm. I'm not entirely <laughs> across this topic. So if you could share to us what you maybe read, then, you know, at least we would be more appreciative of our creation story. Okay, no worries. So just a little bit of backgrounder as well for, for our listeners. Glee and I are from a region called the Visayas, which is south of the capital. Now, the Philippines is very diverse culturally, if you, if you search that on. And our creation myth differs, I would say, from the creation myth that most people who uh, might know of. So in the Visayas, our supreme god is Kaptan rather than uh, Batala. So Kaptan, in his all power, of course, created the heavens. And then funny thing with this one is the thing with our myth is that it's very much the same as I would say Western myths, wherein our gods are not perfect. Sometimes they're not even immortal. You can have them killed or they can die naturally. <laughs> and this is what happened in our Visayan myths, wherein, if I believe, uh, Kaptan's grandchildren decided that, you know, we're powerful, we're powerful bastards, sorry for the language, let's go take, take on our grandpa. Of course, grandpa, being the all-powerful god, decided to teach them a lesson and kill them. Funny way to teach uh, grandchildren a lesson. <laughs> so... His grandchildren became the land, became the moon, became the sun. In fact, it was even noted that the one that became the, the land was the one who led the rebellion. And this is also the interesting part is how we show through our myths that even these gods, um, again, are not perfect. They might even be as human as us because he accidentally kills his innocent granddaughter who was looking for her brothers. And Kaptan shot her with, I believe, a lightning bolt. She shattered into a million pieces, and when he finally calms down and regrets what he did, he turns her bodies or the shattered pieces of her bodies into our stars. See? 
So ah. I see that. So it's like, wow, it's amazing how we are able to come up with these kinds of stories, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that there are some similarities with Western mm. mythology. And it's just fascinating to me that before there's no internet, they do not know about the <laughs> yeah. lands outside the Philippines yeah. and how similar or maybe like there are similarities in a way. Which yep. is like, yep. I suppose, you know, it's just my own thinking that we turn into the divine, those that we are not too familiar with or those that we see that we cannot reach. Like the sun, in many cultures, we see that as we see them as gods. If I'm not mistaken, Bathala uses lightning bolts. And you know who, who's a very famous god who uses lightning bolts. So that's how we see it. Mm-hmm. Things that make us, that keep us in awe, that keep us in fear, we see them as gods in the olden days. Right now, of course, we have science. But there's always that beauty of that mysticism and that connection that it gives us to our past, you know. So that's why I enjoy those. Yeah, yeah, it's very fascinating. It's good that you have discovered them because it's not mainstream, you know, like looking at Filipino mythology. And so was this in the libraries before? I would say yes. I'm not one of those. To be honest, I'm not one of those guys who during recess would would grab a basketball uh. and shoot some hoops. Like any self-respecting Filipino, I suppose, I do enjoy the NBA watching my favorite teams win. But then I always found myself in the library reading about our stories, always tried to find books that cater to that. And I know it's not Filipino, but Harry Potter made me want to take up writing. So I'm one of those guys who love the fictional world. And I won't lie, maybe because sometimes the real world is not always too good, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I can really, really relate to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there is that. And with books, they say you can go visit the world. I'm going to elevate that argument and say with books, you can see beyond the world that you see in your eyes. So again, it just fascinates me. And I continue to be fascinated as, as I move along with my life. Great. So going deep dive into Trese, yep. what are your thoughts in Trese's character? Maybe thoughts on Trese herself as a character in the comic and the anime. Okay, so Trese as a character, let's just put it out there. For me, it was a really good thing that she's she's there to represent us all. I would say she's a great ambassador to our stories and whatnot. And here's something that I've also read with regard to Tress's history. Now, Sir Budge and Kajo, when they created a Tressa character, she was originally supposed to be male. And I suppose a lot of people didn't know that. But then I believe it was Sir Budge who, who said that, hey, why don't we make her female? Because if we keep her male, she'll just be like any other action star. And, you know, I think that's also good that um, we as Filipinos, I suppose, as a callback to our, our older times where we, where we do view women at such prominence, we give prominence to the woman right now in the modern world, saying that, yes, our women are great. Yes, our women can also kick alien butt or rather demon butt at this, in this point, mm. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. think that's it. Yeah. And what I like about in our culture in general is, you know, like Western cultures have really patriarchal society. Mm. I mean, we have that mm. one, but the women is not like far behind. I feel yeah. I feel that Filipino women are, are yep. strong, <laughs> are stronger. Or <laughs> yep. On that point, I don't know if this is real or might be apocryphal, but friends of mine, really good friends of mine who shared, you could say, the same passion of reading about our history or whatnot did say that our martial arts, Arnis, in its pre-colonial form was also used by women. And the reason why a few 
not many people would try to raid us is because when they do and they step into the house, our women would just beat them up. So I don't know if that's true, but I wouldn't be surprised either, granting the kind yeah. <laughs> of yeah, strength our women have shown throughout the generations. Yeah, yeah, great. And for Tressa, Tressa in itself in the comics and anime, are they depicted differently or what, no. did, what, are, what are your thoughts? No, actually, they're virtually the same, you know. So she's strong-willed. She's your strict bossing slash ate to really, really rambunctious younger brothers. Or in this case, the Kambals, the twins. I know they're demigods and whatnot, but you see that there's this brother-sister dynamics. And as somebody who's the middle child with an older sister... I know how fun it can be to just mess with the ate. And you can feel that sometimes with the kambals. And you got Trese who just like, you know what? I'm busy and God, I don't want to deal with you guys, but you're my brothers. I love you. I have no choice but to love you. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. I love that, that it's still there in the anime, you know? Mm. And what about the anime voice acting? I know this has, uh, um, this has really garnered some mm. mixed opinions, I yep. feel, with netizens. But of course, this is our, just our thoughts. So do not bash us guys mm. <laughs> but yeah so what are your thoughts on it okay so first and foremost i will really claim that tagalog is not my first language it is a national language yes i can speak it i grew up in the philippines but like most or rather like many cebuanos our tagalog is not up to par i would say so i favored watching the episodes in english and the thing with the english ones i think they did pretty well in representing it, it was I would say it wasn't as great as should as it should be. It was serviceable. I like the part where the characters do not sound American. In many cases, they do sound Filipino, especially side characters like Captain Guerrero and Lieutenant Tapia. With Alex, I know she was done by a Canadian Filipina who who is well versed in Filipino as well. I think she may have grew up here. Um, Did she? I from. I'm not sure. Did she move to Canada at 19? I'm sure as well. But yeah, yeah, okay, please go on. No, no worries. And yeah, so I think she represented it still very well, still a serviceable. But with regard to the Tagalog dub, I have seen the comments and I have watched at least one episode just to compare. Now, the honest truth is that Liza Soberano, the voice actress, it felt quite monotonous, her delivery. You know, it didn't have that the kind of uh, range, emotional range that could have helped the anime. And yes, I know, I just watched one episode, but apparently those who watched the full shebang felt the same way as well. Now, again, for me, from a marketing perspective, I get where the um, producers were coming from. Yes, as an audience member, I wish they actually got professional voice actors. But see, especially for our listeners out of the Philippines, Liza Soberano is one of our, I would say, one of our premier TV actresses currently. And for her to have been brought in on a marketing perspective would really generate a lot of buzz, would really get people, especially those not familiar with the comics, to to come in and, and have a look. Sadly, it didn't work out as, as good as people might have hoped for, but at least it got word out there. Do I think changes should be made in the next season? If we're getting a next season, uh, season two, then yes, I do hope. 
I think we could definitely improve it on that point. But again, this is nothing against Liza. Maybe it's a new venture for her, right? What are your thoughts on that one, though? (laughs) Yeah, so with with what you said, that the English version had some Filipino English or the accent might be... I felt not really. They felt... Mm. I felt like... Who was that? Captain Guerrero or... Oh, no. Anton, the father of... Ah, yeah. He sounded like Nico Bolzico for me. Oh. Nico, do you know Nico Bolzico? No, no, I'm sorry. He's not an actor. He is the husband of Solen Yusuf. Oh. And so he is not Filipino at all. Like he's Argentinian, but is residing mm. in the Philippines. So he speaks kind of like that. So like mm. maybe like a Latin American. Latin twang. American. So yeah, yeah. So yep. most of them, I feel that they are more Latin American, which because mm. a lot of Filipinos really are well versed in English, right? Yep. And we have a certain accent, English accent as well. I was wondering why they didn't get like maybe professional Filipino voice actors who speak in English. Mm. That's what was. Um, running through my mind. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, again, maybe it was just to generate buzz as well. And now that you mention it, maybe Captain Guerrero does have that, I would say, Spanish twang partially. But I do still stand by saying that it does have, or they did attempt to give it a Filipino flair because Filipino or Tagalog, um, Tagalog English accent, you can really hear it. And mm. to that point of, again, voice professional voice actors, I get where they're coming from. They were just trying to market this and try to make it as international as possible. And if you deliver a movie and say this, it's in English and then with really thick Tagalog English accent, it might fall flat. You know, so from a marketing mm. perspective, again, I, I get where they were coming from. Okay, yeah, I get what you mean on that one then. But anyway, but also with uh, my thoughts on, of course, Liza Soberano, I didn't actually know. I didn't know anything about dressing. <laughs> To be honest, anything <laughs> at all. Then it just showed up in my Netflix, you know, recommendations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I saw some some Instagram posts that oh, it's actually Filipino, then I started it. But I started it in English as well, and mm. I didn't know that there was a Tagalog version. Mm. And when I switched to Tagalog, <laughs> then yes, again, I was um, yeah. disappointed to the point that yeah, I prefer English as well. Yeah, re- listening it on English and. The thing with their Tagalog subtitles is also different with what they are saying. So mm, it's like yeah. it doesn't reconcile so hard. So I was trying to, you know, love the Tagalog version. And it's also the subtitles were wrong. Or yeah. I mean, not not the same with what they mm. were saying. And also about yeah, Liza. Actually, I, if I would hear it, I wouldn't think that it was Liza Soberano on the mic. Which is, I mean, kudos to her that she was able to really do that. Like make a difference with yep. what her normal thing yep. uh, how she normally says Tagalog or something but still as I agree with being monotonous in a way and even my husband was who doesn't speak Tagalog at all like yep. you know he heard it and he said like what is that acting voice acting like it's so <laughs> it's so dry like he was like commenting <laughs> like he doesn't know at all anything about it but he I was mentioning to him about like oh this is like mm. Soberano and she's very popular in the Philippines and whatnot so but still he was even like an outsider who is not Filipino still thinks that it's kind of monotonous and it's just I feel there's a really big difference like maybe it's because it's our first time Mm. first time delivering this to international audience but if you compare it like series like Game of Thrones where actors were not really popular like only few actors were popular there I think like maybe Cersei or yep 
Criterion, but most of them were not really very famous. But then that's how they started. But how Filipinos do it or is the other way around? Mm. I, I know that's just what I feel, yep. but maybe it's because they wanted it to be marketable in the international audience, which I think, again, is countering it, I feel. Because mm. if we want to market it into an international audience, in, with the word international, they don't know Liza Soberano. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Yep. It's just my thoughts, but yeah. Yep, I get where you're coming from. And that's those are actually pretty good points. But we also have to consider that apart from the international audience, we are also marketing it to our fellow Filipinos. And they're trying to get it on a wider demographic. Now, if you're trying to get everyone on board, then that's where that name recall really helps. And I'll be honest, sad to say sometimes, yes, Filipinos do tend to defend to the high heavens our own talent to the detriment of something that could work far more internationally, you know? So yes, there is that point, but I also we also have to look at it from, again, from a marketing perspective. And of course, from a budget perspective, you mentioned Game of Thrones. How many millions of dollars can be funneled into that to get people like um, Tyrion Lannister, Cersei, the actors to those to come in? We don't have that kind of budget, I think. So I know, you know what I yeah. no, uh, what I mean is like um, yep. not not the the famous ones, but people yeah. like the Arya and Kate yep. Harrington. They weren't yep. really household names at that yep. time. That's true. So, That's true. but yeah, I get. I really get what you mean as well. That from a business point of view. Yep. marketing point of view, then it would make sense to have, I mean, Liza Soberano. And yeah. of course, she is a very pretty face. So yep. having that version again, but again, yep. but again, she's yep. not full Filipino again and again. So yep. I would have preferred someone like, I don't know, do not bash me, Zesties or anyone who's <laughs> listening to this, but I would prefer someone, let's say maybe still uh, a household name like Catherine Bernardo or someone who is mm. like really Filipino. Like, yep. I don't know if, if we want this to be, I mean, it's not that Liza is less Filipino than we yep. are, but I know you can, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I know what you mean. I, I really do. But uh, also, yeah, Catherine Bernardo, she also does have some name recall. I'll be honest. I don't watch our teleseries. Again, I, I do avoid, <laughs> I do avoid them uh, because, <laughs> and I'm not really into drama, but again, I get where you're coming from on that that end maybe it's yes let's be honest here maybe it's because Liza does have a prettier face and I have seen her try to look like Tresse and look as far as looks are concerned she does nail it she really does mm, and yeah you know yeah. if it was live action and she presented herself as Alexandra Tresse that way yeah she can do it definitely mm. so who is your favorite character in Tresse ah so I would point out just three, just to show you why. So Ami and Hana, of course, I would say from my perspective are my favorites. Reason being, I'm a guy. So listeners, please deal with it. And like <laughs> with most guys, I do tend to be attracted to, to good, pretty women. And I like it. And they're wind spirits. They're actually, and if I'm going to be more technical, they're actually have the ability to make things go really fast. And you've seen that in the anime, in the comics, they present it really well as well. So from that end, I do like I do like that. The other one I would say is Talabugsal, the god of destruction. Those who, let's say, family and friends who know me know for my penchant for liking action flicks or or fantasy anime. And if anything, they presented Talabugsal really well. Violent, strong, all powerful, that even the main character truly would have a hard time beating. And I can actually make the argument, especially for those who, who've watched the anime, try not to spoil this, but the way they beat Talabugsao showed just what they needed to do. 
just to be able to get one up on somebody who is virtually indestructible, right? Because he is destruction itself, right? So I would say that's why Ami and Hana forced the guy thing. If I'm going to be serious, Radon, then it's Talabugsao. Mm, okay. Uh, you mentioned three, so the wind spirits are two. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For me, I think I like Captain Guerrero, actually. Mm. At first, I thought like, <laughs> I was like so skeptical about him. Maybe at first, oh, okay, he's a good guy. But maybe he's not really a good guy because mm. he's too much of a good police. Mm. <laughs> <You know>? Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, actually on the sixth episode, I'm trying not to spoil that much. But I thought he was actually the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> like he, yeah, like he will turn into the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, I understand it because if you look at a lot of stories, a lot of anime, especially if you, you mentioned earlier Game of Thrones, those, those kinds of twists exist. And let me tell you right now, if you are a reader of the comics, you will see a huge twist on one particular character that I think worked out well in the anime that you were saying. Just to give you a clue, you're going to go and say, really? He's a villain in the anime? The clue's there? Mm. Guys, so Support our local people. Read the comics, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Thank you for that. And so any major differences that you can see with the anime and comic? Mm. So with the anime, I did feel that it was more action-oriented versus that of the comics. Not to say the comics didn't have its action. In fact, the books that had Talabugsao had a lot of, of, of action. Thing with the comics, though, is that it highlights more of Tresse's detective skills rather than her fighting skills. Also in the comics, Tresse uses implements to cast her spells rather than just, you know, casting it in thin air. She used less magic in fighting and more with her physical combat, I would say. Let's see, what other differences? Again, there are some characters with some twists and whatnot. Just to let you know, Hank, the bartender in The Diabolical, in the comics, he definitely wouldn't try to dress up to impress a girl, no. He... He's not <laughs> like that. So that's one That's one thing. Maybe with the art, uh, art style as well, I would say, because in the comics, it's really trying, it's, I would say, more Filipino. In fact, Alexandra Tresse looks more Chinese Filipino in the comics. In the anime, I get it that she is drawn that way because we are trying to reach a wider audience. And secondly, it's marketed as an anime, right? And in anime, wider eyes mean, I would say, friendlier, has a friendlier tone, whereas uh, smaller eyes is a little bit more, shows a little bit more hostility. Mm, yes, yes. I'm good that you've mentioned that because yeah. I, I wanted to say as well, the costume of Trece. Mm. If this was set in the Philippines, it would be too warm. Why? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I've never thought about it that way. But from my, yeah, from my research, you would say, or just soft reading, Sir Budge and Sir Kajo did decide that Tresse is to wear that kind of trench coat with that kind of Chinese style buttons or whatnot. So I know it might seem a bit <laughs> too hot, but again, it does look cool. So maybe yeah. that's one thing. Yeah, it is. You know? It is cool. It is cool. It's yep. just, I'm just trying to be nitpicky here. So. Yep, of course. <laughs> yeah. And then also, I feel that, no, I since I haven't really read the comics i don't know how big the eyes or something but when i saw trese as someone who has not read the comics has no clue and is filipino i feel that she's not filipino looking mm. that's what i felt when i first saw it so mm. and she's also lighter skinned than everyone else there i feel <laughs> right that's you could say that that again is, i'm nitpicking uh, yeah. so <laughs> yeah that's all right i mean 
personally, I don't know, because I look at Filipinos and we're a mix from dark skin to really light skin that you can't believe that they're that they're Filipinas. So for me, uh, the way Trece was depicted could be viewed as the modern Filipino. Like, can you truly say that right now as, as a Filipina, you're 100% a Filipino? Very few can say that. Person, me, I'm I'm Chinese Filipino. Looking at you, um, I'm thinking already uh, she has Chinese blood or might even have a bit of Spanish, you know? Yeah, my great-grandma is Spanish, so... Mm, there we go. <laughs> so, see? we are, There's already that mixture. And uh, Alex, I, I do feel that she's a bit on the upper strata in terms of uh, class. So yeah. definitely, if you notice, if you if you look at the stereotype upper classmen in the Philippines, they're usually fair skin, usually, right? So I think that was what they were trying to depict. And with a house like mm. what Trese had, you can definitely sh- see that she's part of the upper <laughs> strata. You know, so okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, great, great point there. Yeah, I yeah. I totally agree. So it's just like try, I'm trying to nitpick something. You know, also. Was it explained in the comics about being sixth child of the sixth child? And yes. Because I felt that Trece is 13. Why not 13th child of the 13th child? Okay. So my mistake. So to be honest, it wasn't explained what the mysticism is there on being a sixth child of a sixth child is. Or maybe it was and I just forgot about it. Or maybe but, a theory. What is um, your theory? There have been Western stories about a seventh child of a seventh child. If I'm not mistaken, there was even a movie about that. And there's some mysticism. There's some story behind that. And I think we might have been bringing that here because certainly I haven't heard about our mythology talking about a sixth child of a sixth child. Maybe we just borrowed that element from outside. Because I was thinking like, oh, her surname is Trese. Why not 13th child, yeah. the 13th child? You know? <laughs> but, Could, yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> now, that I, now that I think of it, well, why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so what are your overall thoughts on this? Yep. So my overall thoughts is that it's an amazing anime, especially if you're a fan of Filipino mythology. Yes, it's it's not perfect. I will admit to that. But for a first time, for a fully Filipino story, it does represent us well. And I really do hope that it translates to more sales for uh, for Sir Butch and Sir Kajo's Tresse books and, of course, other books as well. We do have other great authors who do represent us nicely in that space. And I do hope it, it revitalizes that interest in ourselves, our interest in our own culture. Now, as a Filipino living in New Zealand, I get to see firsthand how the Maori, the local people of New Zealand, are very connected to their past, are very connected to who they are. And I feel that in the Philippines, we've somehow lost a lot of that connection. Our stories, our myths connect us back to that past, connect us back to the greatness that was, you know, not to say that we're not great. Filipinos are doing very well where we are, Australia, New Zealand, and (laughs) US and wherever. But again, things that are our own, things that we can be proud of, things that we can look back and pass on to the next generation. These are things that that are valuable. And Trese, again, I'm hoping, and our authors, I'm hoping could revitalize, you know, in that interest. Mm. And then what mythology authors or Filipino authors that you could recommend to our zesties? Right. So I have prepared a bit of a list, but I'll, I'll just Great. mention a few. We're excited. Yep. <laughs> so you might want to have a look at the works of Mervin Ignacio. He's the writer for Skyworld. It is actually set in a, in still in the Trese universe. It's a spinoff, but it 
go to a different track. You can think of it as another universe. So it's like, you know how in Marvel, they have multiple universes? You can consider it that way. Now there's David Honteveros, and he does have quite a few stories like Parman, Craving, Xerox, and Takod. Now, thing with this is his books are written he has a unique style of writing, which sometimes does not work for me, but the kind of stories he presents are, again, not your typical bash the enemy in the head kind of thing. There's actually, uh, he tries to go beyond the, the common themes, and he tries to present stories outside of the mainstream Filipino stories that we know of. Craving, for example, is a story about a woman who's part owl that's set in the Philippines. Mm. There's Karen, another author that I, I did like, her, her book called Near Myth. She's Karen Francisco. So it's like a post-apocalyptic Philippines where our mythological creatures have taken over. There's another one, Eliza Victoria. And of course, here's something that I dredged up from my closet over there. And one of the books that I actually brought from the Philippines, it's called The A Time for Dragons. Uh, it's an anthology of Philippine draconic fiction. So it it's a good way to introduce yourselves to our Filipino authors. At the same time, it's dragons. And who doesn't like dragons, you know? And it, yeah. a lot of it is set in Philippine setting. Mm, yeah, great. Thank you for that, Faye. And where can we find, like, on the internet, these books? In the internet, to be fair, I think Lord Google provides. So uh. <laughs> a quick Google search would would really show that. A lot of these books that I mentioned or authors that I mentioned, you can go to, if you're in the Philippines, you can go to National Bookstore. You can go to other big chain bookstores and just go to the Filipino fiction section. And to be fair, a lot of these books are in English. So if you're like me, you struggle with you struggle with Tagalog, then you can get the English versions. If you like Tagalog stories, we actually do have good ones. And there was actually one book that I didn't mention. It's called Tabi Po, and it was done by Mervin Malonzo. And it's like this: Imagine Nolimi Tanghere. That's one of a, that's a Filipino book done by our national hero. But the setting, it, but a lot of the characters are actually mythological creatures. Or to be fair, no, one character is an asawang. There we go. Mm. <laughs> Great. Thank you for yes, your insights, Ray. And it was really a very enjoyable conversation. Thank you. I felt like I'm the you know, like uh, I'm bad cop, good cop kind of conversation. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to promote anything? Where can our, our Zesties find you? For starters, I'm just your regular Joe. So I don't have any sort of platforms or whatnot. I just live life accordingly. But I'm in Auckland, New Zealand. Basically, you'll find me on Facebook. Just search my name, Raydon Masangkai Lim. If you want to talk about these stuff or just have a conversation, I'm cool with it. But I will promote, again, our Authors, I'll promote that book I just shown, uh, A Time for Dragons. Trese, I will promote that to the high heavens. Um, again, these are our stories. These are This is our past. This is who we are as Filipinos. And for in your international audience, have a look at what we have to offer. See the similarities that we have to the rest of the world. And you will see that world kind of close in on just how similar all of us can be, right? Okay, great. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you as well.